Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. Well, as we bring in the end of 2022, let's look at the past year, not just from some list of what has happened, but how that list of what happened tears up into three important lessons any organization should take from Disney out of 2022. These lessons clearly illustrate the importance of customer loyalty, i.e. Disney fans, how demand really inflates price, and why delivery must exceed expectations. We'll bring you examples of how this has occurred throughout all of 2022, and then we'll help you understand the implications to your organization. So join us for three Disney lessons from 2022. Make sure you also subscribe to uh, DisneyAtWork.com so you can be notified of podcasts that come specifically from that side of the Disney at Work and Play uh, family. Now, um, I wanted to cover these three things. I just really felt like I wanted to do something different than just a long list that everybody else does of what happened or what did happen in 2022 because I felt like there was some particular messages um, organizationally and specifically about the customer and and how you treat, in, in Disney's words, how you should be treating the guest. Um, there obviously has been huge lessons about leadership, and I've talked about that in the last couple of uh, weeks. If you haven't, uh, The Tale of Two Bobs is one of those podcasts where I really contrasted what has worked and what has not worked, particularly in the last days of Bob Chapek, as his uh, time has come to the end and he's been replaced by Bob Iger again. Um, so uh, check that out. But these three things, I think, are very, very unique uh, to how we have to look at really customers or guests or however you might refer to them. They may be passengers on a plane. They may be individual staying at a hospital, um, but whatever organization you have, there's some real particular aspects. One of those comes from what I refer in my work as the chain reaction of excellence, which is that leadership excellence drives highly engaged employee that drives highly satisfied customers that ultimately leads to loyalty and long-term success. I think Disney took an approach over the last couple of years where they thought, how can we have short-term profitability? And I think what we have seen from that is that that's not a good long-term solution. That's not what's really going to make uh, or break the, um, the shareholder value over time if that's what you're concerned about, is creating shareholder value. You have to create... Um, loyalty among your customers, people who come back again and again, people who refer you, people who advocate, people who spend more on you. Uh, clearly, that has been my experience over this last year. I mean, it's not because you took cheap routes along the way. It's not because you introduced Genie Plus and, and heightened uh, the pricing of certain aspects of the park experience. Those things didn't create loyalty. But there are things you do create for customer loyalty, and I think they are worthy of, of paying attention to. 
I want to point to what I felt like was the seminal event this year that showed the power of of guest loyalty at Disney. And that would be uh, D23 in the middle of the year. It had been a couple of years since D23 had occurred because of the pandemic. I did a full podcast where we walked the entire uh, event and showcased so many things that occurred. I was particularly inspired by an event that I, well, two events that I attended, one of which was about Disney record albums. Uh, I, it was it was really Disney albums that that come from earlier years before they went into a track or cassette or DVD. They were largely um, albums from the fifties and the sixties and the seventies. I was impressed by how many people could be in a room to celebrate how listening to a record album 40 years ago could have such an impact on how they would spend time and money coming to an event. By the way, I also stood in line later at um, at um, Walt Disney Records where they sold out um, album after album. I bought a few of them myself and uh, and there was a steady line all through the event of people who just really gravitated toward uh, something off of the Disneyland record album label. The other thing I will tell you is that I came to a D23 event in which uh, the Mouseketeers of the 90s were celebrated. I didn't get into, I don't remember watching a lot of their episodes, but I was fascinated by it because they recorded at Disney MGM Studios, what was MGM's Disney MGM Studios back then. And to see these, not only these Mouseketeers come back for a reunion, but to see the number of people who are so excited to see these Mouseketeers. When you see something like this, a record album over 40, 50 years, you see something 20 plus years, 30 plus years or so, 89. Um, when you see those kinds of things and, and their appeal toward guests, you know the importance of long-term loyalty. And I can't help but think that that really is the thing you don't want to lose is that appeal. Obviously, people grow old and eventually their spending income kind of falters off and they pass away. But but by and large, you could get decades of, well, let me just tell you my own Disney experience. Not, not to, it's been a fantastic year to celebrate all things Disney. But as I added up, I realized that to the bottom line of the shareholder value, I offered something of meaning. And that something of meaning was at times diminished by the leadership that was in Disney at the time. It almost seemed like they they just expected it of me or of those who were loyal. And I think that's a, that's a myth. Um, for, for, to begin with, you know, you spend... Um, on a Disney annual pass for yourself and for members of your family, uh, four of us um, that are still in the household, that's that's a chunk of change to, to spend that. You add to that the per cap spending, easily, easily 200 a month in per cap spending potentially when you average it out. I did a lot of restaurant reviews over, over the year 
Um, I canvassed a lot of Epcot restaurants I hadn't done in many years. Uh, that adds up. Uh, spending on gifts and things from the 50th anniversary celebration, that added up um, to it. Just, uh, per cap spending in terms of going to see, you know, we spent easily over $300 to go see uh, Drawn to Life, which I did a review of a couple of weeks back ago. Fantastic show. Um, that show was so good, I said in the podcast, I want to go back. When you have something great and it makes you want to come back to it again and again, that that just really, um, again, keeps the machine going for what you want in terms of revenues. My wife and I had chance, privilege of going out to Disneyland Paris as part of a trip to London and France. And, you know, we stayed on property. Uh, we made a last minute choice. It was an expensive choice, but we made a last minute choice rather than stay a night in London. We made a last minute choice to stay an extra night at what ended up being the Santa Fe Hotel um, which is essentially the equivalent of an all-star, maybe a little higher than an all-star, maybe more of a pop century. Um, but I spent $500 on that one night's room because I did it at the last minute. Those kinds of little moments of decisions really make a difference. I have no regrets, by the way, spending that. It was a, that's a fascinating hotel that I still need to go back and review for you on a podcast. But and and then we spent the rest of it Sequoia, which was a which was expensive in and of itself. We did five days of tickets at Disneyland Paris, all the food and beverage in those. Then just moments where you just have a lot of. And I got to tell you, the best part of that was the moment uh, we were in. Uh, is it the Plaza Inn restaurant? I believe Plaza Gardens restaurant. And it's a buffet. And for the first time, we had done buffets. Um, this is really important, I think, as a part of last year. And it it really builds in the loyalty. So we had done earlier in the year Tusker House for my son who wanted to see Donald. But, but at that point, they were doing the COVID distancing kind of thing. This was early on in the year. And they did the best job they could as those Disney characters. Here at Disneyland Paris, they had dropped the COVID thing. It was about the week they did. And here comes Mickey Mouse giving me a hug, giving my wife a hug. It was the first time I'd had a character hug in a long time. Those things, those things matter to your customers. Um, I went, so the Disneyland Paris thing would, I mean, we talked last night, my wife and I. How could we repeat that trip next year? That kind of repeat visitation I I uh, I don't know that we'll do that, but I am certainly I'm certainly big on entertaining that idea, um, and uh, and then I spent time going to not only D twenty three but Disneyland, and then I um, took my family to, on a Disney cruise line when it made was possible that my youngest son who was not vaccinated could actually be. On the ship, he he um, had refused vaccinations because of his anxiety toward a dental experience right prior to COVID, and so we couldn't get him vaccinated. But but um, we ended up doing this great Disney cruise and so forth. When you add that up, I spent over twenty thousand dollars of discretionary income this this year. That's that's a lot of money, maybe too much money in my opinion, 
But I, I'm not the biggest spender in the Disney portfolio. I don't own uh, DVC and I'm paying dues on that or paying off the, the, the real estate portion of that. I don't do, um, I don't spend a lot of nights on property. I did Disneyland Paris, but I don't, you know, because I'm an annual pass holder, I'm not, I'm not spending nights in the, in the hotels by and large. I, um, uh, and I haven't done the Star Cruiser yet, which came out this year. I'm going to, I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but in addition to that, because of my business, I've hosted groups at Disney, small and big. I've hosted a number of groups at Disney and that's about 50,000 to Disney's bottom line. So when you add all of that up, yeah, fandom matters. My allegiance and customer loyalty to Disney may be a little off kilter, but it is reflective of people who love Disney and want to continually come back. The gates are full because there are lots of people who want to come back and you need to respect the customer. I'll come back to that in a little bit with um, Bob Iger's letter at the end of the year, but but boy, if if there's a message here, first off, fandom, customer loyalty matters at Disney and to treat them and to cheapen their experience is not in Disney's long-term interest. You want to continually identify ways to bring value to it. Now, all that said and done, I will admit that um, with that demand, um, Disney is able to inflate prices and it is reflective of how people uh, spend their discretionary income and um, and what that uh, kind of looks like. Um, they, if you look at some uh, Disney examples of what this looks like, uh, there's no better one, and Chapek even mentioned it on the last call he had before he was terminated, but he talked about Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party and Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party, which topped at on certain days $199 for a ticket. It wasn't more than a handful of years. It was barely topping over 100 And now here it is at $200, and they have so many nights they deliver. There is clearly a demand for this. Um, I am... am I am... A little surprised and in awe, even as a loyal fan myself, how many people take advantage of the Walt Disney World VIP tours. Now, you what you do, depending on the day of the year, you could spend somewhere between three to six thousand dollars a day. You have to pay a seven-hour minimum. You do get ten people included in that, up to ten people, and uh, and you know what? I look at a lot of reviews of those VIP tours. I am shocked at how many people said yeah great value so worth it so glad we did it i'm thinking that's a lot of money but that's what that's what people are saying um when you look going way back at the beginning of the year you look at how people were waiting up to seven hours for a 25 dollar figment popcorn bucket you can see this is this is there's two things. First of all, the fandom is huge. And second, the price is too. It, and yet demand inflates the price. And that's why Disney wants, needs to make sure 
that um, their fan their loyal fandom loyalty matters. If you cheapen, for instance, those Halloween parties or Christmas parties, then people are going to say, "Yeah, not worth it next time." Um, and so you ride a very fine line. Now, mind you, what's amazing is is that there are comparable big ticket items. A Broadway ticket is the least of these, $113 per person. That's about the baseline price. That's the average price of a, a Broadway ticket this last year, or at least the first half of this year. Um, the And that is the bottom line price for a Disney park ticket. Now, mind you, you get about two plus hours of Broadway show for 113 at Disney, you get a full day. Um, more comparable, maybe a one-day ski ticket. Um, one day at Deer Valley. I just priced this um, last night. And for January 1st, in just a couple of days, or as you're listening to this podcast this week, um, January 1st, a one-day Deer Valley Ski Resort ticket is going to be $269. So you think about how Disney is topping out its um, tickets on key days, and then you look at what people are paying for a ski ticket at Deer Valley. A, an NFL game uh, was $142 on average, which is very comparable to the on average price of a Disney ticket if you weren't including uh, annual passes and and um, and deeply discounted tickets uh, to locals and so forth. Uh, $195 was not, um, was not an unexpected price for certain games. And of course, you get into scalping and you got a whole other thing. But one of the most interesting things is they were charging about $15 for beer. I had to look this up because I don't drink beer. Disney is somewhere between $5 and $13 is what, what I read for the price of a beer at Disney. It's $15 at an NFL game. So you see... You see, when you look at these big ticket items, that Disney is kind of right there in in the middle of those kinds of those kinds of special events. Um, why is the price higher? Well, I think first of all, expectations are higher. Um, people are wanting what what settled for a theme park experience. 20 years ago may not be what it is today. Now, for instance, some people will say, well, Epcot isn't as good as it was 20 years ago. And you could make a good case of that if you said, you know, well, yeah, you know, we used to have Horizons. We used to have a better version of Figment. But at the same time, you didn't have Soren 20 years ago. Uh, Mission Space is not not a bad attraction and the universe of energy has been replaced by a mighty you know cosmic rewind experience uh so so then you kind of look at it and go you know it's just the fact of the matter is the expectations of a of the theme park experience at epcot are higher adding to why the price is higher the world population is simply greater than it was 20 40 50 years ago and so there are more people wanting to come and experience this. Uh, and as a result, um, 
as a result of that world population being greater, Disney has more people to choose from to come on out to its parks. It can raise the price simply because there are more people wanting to stand in line to do that. Add the economics of travel. It's, it's f far less expensive to travel than it was back in 1971. That type of thing. Talk about 1971. The disposable income in 1971, which is the amount after your taxes that you have to spend on life, was $4,002 in 1971. In 2021, after your taxes, it was $55,710. Now, mind you, cost of living was so much less in 71, but you're making so much more. That's not discretionary income per se, it's disposable income, but you get the idea that people have money to spend and that's why they're going to ski at that price and go to football games and buy the beer at that price and even come to Disney. Added to all this has been a dynamic ticket pricing, that, which by the way is used by professional sports teams, but the ability for Disney to determine the day and the price as opposed to one set season of pricing or one set price that is annually altered, uh, that dynamic ticket pricing is, is allowing them to well, charge more for your stay at at um, at Walt Disney World, and then finally, the addition of the ticket or the Disney reservation system that they have put in place allows them to kind of move people around a little bit um, to say, "Look, I can, um, I, I, I'm closing off Magic Kingdom, but there's still a." space and availability at Disney's Hollywood Studios that allows them to earn more money at four parks as opposed to just simply at one park that was very popular on a given day, such as Christmas Day. So all these things, bottom line is this, is demand does inflate the price. As long as people are wanting to do these things, there will be a demand uh, to do them. Now, the third thing I want to talk about, and I think this is this is framed really well by Walt Disney himself when he said, well, I think this time my staff are convinced that Walt is right. The quality will out. And so they're going to stay with that policy because it's proved that it's a good business policy. Give the people everything you can give them. Keep the place as clean as you can keep it. Keep it friendly, you know, make it a fu real fun place to be. I think they're convinced and I think they'll hang on after you, as you say, well, after Disney. That idea of quality will out, that expectations must be succeeded, boy, that was a message sent throughout the year. I have what's, and you can refer to Disney at work here to see this, what I refer to as the, the six P's formula, which suggests what value is all about. Value is framed by two things on the end. What you're promising people and the price people pay to deliver, going back to what we just talked about. In the middle are four Ps, the people, place, process, and product. The people are your cast members who are delivering the magic. The place is the setting. It is Main Street. It is the castle at the end of the street. It's the Seven Seas Lagoon. It's, it's walking into the Grand Floridian Hotel. That's the place. The process are the policies, procedures, guidelines, requirements. Genie Plus, reservation system. I can just tell you right now, the, the policies and procedures usually trip you up 
more than anything in delivering a great service. But processes are part of it. Now, also making it easier. For instance, mobile ordering is a process that has, in my opinion, made it so much easier. The, the reservation system has made it easier for me to get reservations on property this last year. So there are processes that work for Disney, but there's some that are challenged. And then there's the product. The product could be a rider attraction, such as um, Remy's Ratatouille, adventure or rise of the resistance it can be a meal itself when you sit down to eat a churro or you're eating uh, the buffet at the crystal palace it could be uh, that bedroom where you are staying at the hotel and taking advantage of um of a night stay all the, and of course merchandise the t-shirt the souvenir all of that when you combine those four things then what you've promised is that those four things must exceed what you have promised. I'm saying you're going to have an amazing experience that makes you want to come back. Then the people, place, process, and products has got to exceed that promise. At the same time, it's got to be worth the price, which is the sixth P. The price is tangible and intangible. The tangible price, well... It's the cost of the ticket, it's the cost of the hotel room, it's the cost to fly out here, it's the cost to eat here. All those things are the tangible price, which a lot of people have talked about. But there's also an intangible price. We could have just stayed home and saved the money. We could have gone uh, to Europe, maybe. Um, the intangible price has been used, for instance, uh, to compare... I've, I've used it earlier in the year. It's, it was uh, less expensive for me to go to Disneyland Paris than it was for me to take my wife and go to the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. It's less expensive for me to take a five-day Disney fantasy cruise than go on the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. So what you deliver in terms of that people, place, process, product better be better than the price. Well, I think it worked. This year, And I think there were some great examples, big and small, of that. One of the big ones was Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, exceeded expectations. Yes, I missed the dinosaurs. How could you not fit the dinosaurs into that plotline? I don't know. But it was a great, the new attraction is great. Didn't care for the holiday overlay, but love that attraction. I'm still waiting for September, by the way as the song of choice when I, I write. But I'm looking forward to my next ride on it. I've been on it 10, 10 or 12 times. It is a solid attraction. Love the whole embarkation. Love the pre-show. And the Epcot editions, I think, frame things out really well. Connections um, being, um, and creations being one of them. Um, that whole corner of the park is so much better than it was five years ago. Really better than your intervention days. Um, and so I'm hopeful for the future. And I think that's one of the places where it worked. Another place that it really worked was Disneyland Paris. They had put money in the last previous years into into the infrastructure of the park, redoing Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion and, and the castle had been repaired. And just by the time we got there, there was still Small World and Space Mountain had not reopened, but everything else was so impressive. 
And you and for us, we got our value. That's why we're talking about going back there. Because Disneyland Paris was such a great experience. Adding and we didn't even get the chance to check out the new uh, venture campus over at the studios. We could have spent more time there, and that is building on and adding on. And so you're continually exceeding expectations, which Disneyland didn't Paris didn't do for years. But it has now gone and done that, and it it exceeds expectations. It is worth the price. It is worth the hassle of traveling over to Europe. It is fantastic. That's a place where it worked. Can I suggest a couple other things where it worked? Disney Plus has, by and large for me, delivered on the dollar. Even when they raise the price of it at the end of the year, I'm still saying, wow, yeah, I'm getting good value off of this. It knocked my socks off and... I need to do a podcast on this, but Andor was amazing. Andor was about the best thing I had seen since The Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars. Not to say I haven't loved The Mandalorian and other things, but I got to tell you, Andor was an impressive show. If you've not seen that, you need to go see that. That's what loyal guests do. They advocate something. And I have, for in this case of talking about the last three things, Guardians, Disneyland Paris, Andor. I had the experience of seeing Avatar, The Way of Water. Long story how I ended up seeing the first movie of my, uh, by myself. I had to wait for a doctor's appointment, that kind of thing, and ended up next door at the movie theater um, and got to see Way of Water. And I thought, that was a pretty good show. I thought it was better than the first Avatar. I could see so many possibilities for an additional attraction with that. Not sure if everybody has, the word of mouth has gotten there, if it worked for everybody, but it worked for me. So these are examples for me that have worked this last year. Now, where it didn't work. Admittedly, I haven't gone to the Galactic Star Cruiser, but I got to tell you, what you're promising me for the price has not equated in my mind. The price goes down, I might be there. Maybe if I have more discretionary income, I might be there. I want to report it. I feel guilty not reporting it. But I'd rather go spend my money on some of these other things that I just talked about. I'd rather go back to Paris than spend it on a galactic. I, to defend going on a two-night star cruiser when I could spend a week in Paris? It is, you know, it, even if it cost me a little extra to do the Paris, it, it still it would be crazy for me to try to defend that to my wife. And so I'm. it's not to say it doesn't work. There are many people who have said they really liked it, but a lot of people that said they liked it were doing podcasts and, or, or, or social media. They were doing it for free. I haven't seen that many who went, went back to do it. Um, Blue Sky at uh, D23. That is a great example of promising, not even really making a good promise. The whole thing, the whole setup, I say, ah, we could do something over at Animal Kingdom, now, which I think may actually happen, but then to go to the Magic Kingdom, talk about villains, talk about, um, talk about a really poor place to put Coco and a really poor place to put Encanto. That did not... Now, mind you, I want to see all those things. That's the thing. But the way they pitched it, the way they presented it, they didn't even make a good promise to it. And so it left me scratching my head and going, what are we doing here? What is this all about? That was a disappointing 
experience in my view um where where the promise is not not adding up on um, in another example we did dining at space 220 the promise was really good but the delivery not so much and not so much for the price um i'd have to see something different on the dinner menu i have to or maybe a breakfast or I've got to see a price difference. I got to see something different to really say this is worth the price because it, it's not quite there right now. Um, um, and, and you know, one of the interesting thing about exceeding expectations is that it doesn't always take a multi, multi-million dollar, $300 million ride like Guardians or something of that nature to exceed expectations. I hearken back, and if you go back to my review of our uh, trip on the Disney Dream, um, my son loves Donald Duck. He is a big fan of Donald Duck. We Every time Donald did an appearance, we went and saw Donald. I have never seen Donald in so many costumes, pirate costume and sailor costume and island costume and Halloween costume and regular. And we just saw Donald and Donald and Donald. And the last morning on our way out the door, there's a note pinned to our door and a note from Donald Duck. Thanking Preston for coming and, and, and reminding Preston he was the number one duck. That was such a little thing. And it just was one of the great highlights of this year. So it doesn't take a lot to exceed expectations. If you could build the morale of your people that they feel um, and you engage them and you give them the tools and you empower them to do little things like that, they go far to create the magic. Um, that That is just at the heart of 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 what we're we're talking about here and what we're trying to accomplish is exceeding the expectations of guests and it can be so powerful when um when it comes i was impressed that bob Iger sent out a um holiday message um he talks about um, D23 offering events, and he talks about the 100th anniversary. He says, we are immeasurably grateful to the generations of fans around the globe who have invited our stories and characters into their lives, and we look forward to celebrating the groundbreaking moments, the cherished memories, and the creative visionaries that made Disney the most beloved name in entertainment over the past century. He also goes on to say, Disney is fortunate to have the most devoted and enthusiastic fans. And I was reminded of this a few weeks ago when I visited Disneyland Resort and attended the Candlelight Processional, which, by the way, went crazy on the blogosphere and, and the social media sphere, pictures and video of him. He goes on to say, it was invigorating to be surrounded by so many guests who make what we do possible. We love your passion for our company and your enthusiasm for what we create. And we will continue to do our best to exceed your highest expectations. Framed in those last few words is the idea that you must exceed 
expectations that indeed, as Walt Disney put it so many years ago, quality will out. And so as you look on this, every Disney at Work podcast has souvenirs, complimentary ideas that you could take back to your organization for consideration. When it comes to customer loyalty, what is the value of a customer retained? What is the value if the customer is lost? I've been going through a little bit of a, a moment this year between do I fly Delta or JetBlue, looking at availability of flights, looking at cost of flights, looking at the seating and those flights, looking at the upgrading, all of those issues. And I've been, I'm a million miler with Delta. The fact that I should be even reconsidering my stance with Delta is a flag that, that Delta needs to pay attention to. There is value in retaining a customer. Second, what do I do to show that my customers matter? What, how am I manifesting that? And finally, how do I truly offer great experiences for my loyal customers? Then as it comes to demand inflating price, what marketplace offerings are comparable to the kinds of offerings my organization provides? How do I make sure value is retained? How do I keep demand going? I can tell you, there's a love of figment popcorn buckets. But if you don't cherish figment and do something better to that attraction, you're going to lose it. Not next year or the year after, you're going to lose it 10, 20 years from now. When people go, figment? Oh yeah, there was figment, right? But our family never went on. It wasn't very good. That's going to, get, that's going to bite you back in the tail. That popcorn bucket is is the blessing of a great attraction that exceeded expectations 40 years ago. Well, 39 years ago, technically. That's what you have to do, is you have to make sure the demand keeps going. Then exceeding expectations. What does it mean to meet expectations? And what does it mean to exceed expectations? And finally, what are the low, no-cost ways I could exceed expectations? These are three important Disney lessons from 2022. And yeah, we didn't talk a lot about Chapek, but let me just read this quotation from Inc. Magazine. Quote, that's one of the reasons Chapek got himself in trouble. He wasn't good at setting expectations, and he was even worse at living up to the ones customers set for themselves. Message, exceed your customers' expectations. That's the powerful message from 2022. I'm excited to see how it might manifest itself in 2023. More to come on that. We've got a great podcast overviewing the big highlights that are coming for this next year. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being part of this podcast. Thanks for being with us throughout the year. In the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Mm-hmm.